Hello, hello, listener. Welcome to the ADR show area. Dave Rigori discussing all things Calcio, all things Serie A, all things football in Italy. This is episode 15. Is that, is that right? Episode 15, Matt? I think that's about right. Well, welcome to anybody listening, whether it's through um, Apple, Spotify or Anchor.fm. You're listening um, to ADR through BreakingTheLines.com. Go to BreakingTheLines.com for all your sport articles and interesting football news. Maxi, good to see you again, my friend. We've had a two-week break. Uh, Maxi's refreshed his battery. <laughs> yeah, I was a bit tired last time we, we spoke, but I'm recharged now, uh, ready to speak about Calcio. Yeah, man, I missed you. It was, it's been two weeks, and you, all, all you've done since uh, we were talking pre-show was just singing uh, The weekend. The weekend's new yeah, album. Yeah, pretty much. He uh, dropped a new album, so I've been listening to it nonstop. I'm just joking, man. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you promised to uh, listen to it and you're going to give us your verdict next week, right? I will. I will. So that is also going to be um, something that, that we're going to include in the show. I know it's a culture show, but... Gonna... A great new segment to the show. Yeah, we're going to do whatever the hell we want, right? Why? Because this is our podcast. That's right. It's Well, technically it's BTL, but still it's yeah. our damn podcast. And we do not have a guest this week, so you're stuck with the OGs of ADR. Uh, lots to unpack as the title race is getting hotter and hotter. The pendulum is swinging one way, then another within the space of 24 hours. Nobody really um, wants it at this point, which makes it even more exciting. Um, let's dive straight into Derby d'Italia. Uh, fiery, fiery Derby d'Italia, controversial one. Plenty of kamikaze um, chaos going off in this. Everything that we love about, about the league. Uh, so much so, we even got Max Allegri furious throwing his jacket onto... Where did he throw his jacket? I, I must have missed this. No. Do not tell me you missed this. You haven't seen the GIF? I don't think so. I'll send you the GIF after the video. Yes, please. But he is furious, like, making a beeline for the referee, and he's just throwing his jacket away because he's... Obviously, because of the incident that has happened. We'll, we'll get into that later. But Landucci is behind him just trying to control him. <laughs> someone has put the... Someone's put the like in, in the back, you know, of, of this video of him, and I'll, I'll send you it anyway. Um, Inter pick up uh, a massive, massive three points. A, a smash and grab win has to be said, to be honest. Um, 1-0 at Juventus' stadium. Juve, I thought, were by far and away the better team. This was one of the best performances that I've seen of Juventus all season. Uh, and Inter basically, I think, got, got away with one. They got lucky with one, but this is something I felt that they needed in the slump that they were in. I agree. Uh, Juventus played some, some great football here and uh, didn't get a result with them. And to be honest, when when we went into the second half there, um, I, I expected Juventus to turn it around, but they, they couldn't get the, the ball in the net uh, behind Samir Andanovic. Yeah. Um, like I said, that was basically. I'm in agreement with you. That that's what happened second half. I just you just sort of expected Juventus to to pull yeah. one back and then maybe even win. Twenty two shots they had uh, in the end. It's uh, yeah, it was like a massive uh, force against one one goal. To be honest, and <laughs> speaking about it right now, I, I I still don't get how Inter just got away with three points here because. The, their performance did not measure that up. 
No, it was a lucky, lucky win. Let's not make any mistakes about it. But th- things like this, um, when you don't play well and when the chips are against you like they have been for Inter in the last sort of nine, ten games, um, things like this can change or reignite a title challenge. Um, having said that, they didn't play well at all. It's uh, I was surprised at how well Allegri's Juve played in in attack. Like what we're used to sort of, you know, we joke about it often about Juve being the defensive team and, and the ones that sort of just get over the line. And Max Legri always talks about the horse being uh, just a bit ahead of the, the horse next to me. And if you want to witness entertainment, go go to the circus is what he said, because I want three points. And this was completely different. Um, Alvaro Morata looks a lot, lot better now that the the weight is off him, that, that it's not just him leading the line up front and it's, it's Vlahovic. Um, Adrian Rabio had the best game I've seen him having a Juventus shirt ever. He was all over Barella. All over Barella. He he bossed midfield. To be honest, I can't really remember the last time I ever saw Adrian Rabiot this good. Maybe some game in the Champions League for Paris, but I mean, this was a whole nother level to him. Yeah, um, it, it it was a complete surprise to to everybody, but uh, Mainz's midfield couldn't breathe. in the In the first half, it was, I think it was a long hoik, like a hoiked cross maybe, that was just coming towards Handanovic and he's just palmed it up into the air and it ends up hitting the bar. Um, like when a, I think Inter fans have realized this themselves, but when a sort of the board and maybe Inzaghi himself going to address that Handanovic is a problem. Like Juventus were clearly just shooting on sight or kept getting uh, Quadrado and Sandro on the other side of Morata to pin balls in because they were they just knew that they had I think they've talked about this pre-game like look this guy is not comfortable or assertive or dominant in the air so please just keep sending it either crossing long or shoot out on side when you can and and it did cause him problems it did I think some interest has pinpointed his problem for for quite a while now but I mean it felt like the club still had a big trust in him uh, but the fact that they're about to sign, or even maybe we don't know, Andre Onana has signed for the club. <laughs> kind of, he's not. He's not that much better. <laughs> I mean, he's. I get that Anzagi wants maybe somebody who plays with his feet very well, uh, which Andanovic does, um, and Onana does again. But you need, um, you need secure goalie hands. Yeah, but I, to be honest, I think Andre Onana is, a, is an upgrade on, on Andanovic as it is right now. And Onana is still young, can can improve. Uh, so I, I'm not sure if, if I were on the on the Inter board or, or even uh, in charge of on Inter's uh, recruitment, I, Andre Onana would not be the first goalkeeper I would choose. But I, I still think he's an upgrade on Samir Andanovic, who's... Let's be honest, he's been out of it for a while now. Yeah, I agree. It's just not not worth having a heart attack every time it goes to your keeper when he, when you should be secure when, when it goes to your keeper. Um, it, let's discuss the, the elephant in the room, the penalty incident. What, what did we think of this? I, it's, it's questionable. Soft. I would say soft. Yeah, I, I agree. But having said that, you might castrate me for this. I don't know. I thought that it, this was a penalty. 
I I I don't disagree. Uh, I think it's a penalty, man. You cannot like uh, the. I'm I'm not agreeing with with the rule in Syria, um, about the soft amount of penalties given or some of the stupid decisions we've seen. But some of the other stupid decisions that we've seen uh, in in the league are a lot worse than this. He stamps on his foot and he goes down. What do you want him to do? Stay up. Um, it's a clumsy challenge by it's Morata, right? Morata. It's Morata. It's in the box. He stamps on him. Um, he goes down. But then after that, the the chaos after that was just hilarious. It was just hilarious to watch. And this was the incident that Allegri got so infuriated at. Hakan uh, Chalahoglu t- steps up, takes a penalty, misses. Chesney saves it from the resulting sort of melee. Um, I think it's Adrian Rabiot goes to clear it off the line because it's. Uh, I think Hakan suits it again. Um, it goes off Rabiot and goes in the net. Referee gives a free kick the other way towards Juventus. I still don't know what that was for, by the way. Uh, I, I still don't know why. No, I I think that I think the whole thing was that he thought that uh, I I think it would be Hack and then who kind of uh, shoots while Chesney has the control of the ball or, or anything like that. Like it's it's a dangerous play, uh, but. But then VAR images show that it's actually the Juventus players who who are there and uh, who are bothering uh, Chesney when he's trying to save the ball again. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I oh okay, it was just a melee. Yeah, I go back and watch that. It was just chaos. Like nobody had any control whatsoever. Um, and then from there they go back to VAR, realize Delit has encroached by literally about eight <laughs> yards. Like, come on, man, you know. He literally come on, like he stepped inside the box about ten yards as he took the penalty. Of course, they're gonna retake it from from the retake. Hakan, fair enough. Big big huevos, big cojones, yeah. as as Simeone would say. Uh, Hakan scores again, and Inter from that point onwards won't uh, win. Um, the the first half went pretty much like the second half did. Juve had most of the ball, had all the attacking opportunities. Inter Milan will basically reduce the counterattacks. It was odd seeing Juventus actually press high and it working as well. Yeah, it's not something that you usually see them do, uh, at least not to this extent. Uh, but I was impressed. I thought it looked good. Uh, uh, they won, won the ball high up sometimes and uh, came to quick, uh, quick finishing. Um, unfortunately, for their sake, it didn't result in a goal, but yeah, I was impressed by their play. Yes, me too. Um, Blahovic looks a lot more dangerous when he's sort of coming to feet, if, if that makes sense. So if he was, so like, I think Skriniar was all over him. And then in the second half, he sort of realized like, okay, um, I am not having too much of an impact. So what I'm going to do is drop deep with the ball, link up with Dybala or Rabi or, or Zakaria. And from there, we can um, shift it to the wings, to Morata or Cuadrado. And then we can be dangerous from there. Um, it, it, I agree. He, he looked a lot more dangerous when he switched up in the second half, but it felt like Inter basically out allegried Allegri. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it. They, 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 like the roles were reversed, and and in, on this occasion, it was Allegri who was victim of his own medicine. Yeah, Dybala had a screamer of a goal, but it was um, ruled out because the referee had. had um, for a, pen, uh, a foul or something right right before, but what a goal that would have been! Yeah, yeah, and uh, 
Zakaria hit the post as well in the second half. Yeah. Yeah, and then in the end, you you saw that Juventus really they searched for a penalty but didn't get one. And yeah, in the end, I mean that was we should also talk about that final final incident with the I think the ball goes up and nobody touches the lick at all and he just goes down like a sack of potatoes. Yeah, and I mean Vlaovic had a similar situation as well. I think it was like in the 80th minute or something like that, uh, where he just feels a slight touch and, and goes down in the box. Yeah, yeah. I think they were just feeling hard done by from the penalty, which is odd for Juventini. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it's, it wasn't going to happen. Inter get a big, big three points. Like in, in a title race, you look back on games like this, I think we've said it multiple times, and think, wow, we got away with three points, three massive points there. Do you, um, and with what happened to Milan on Do Monday, you think that this uh, rules uh, Juventus out of the title race? Do, do I think that they're in the title race? No, no. Do you think this loss rules them out of the title race? Um. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I think that they have the best. They have the best run, right? Yeah, but at the same time, they're now four points behind Inter on third, and Inter has one game less played. And if they win that. They're seven points behind. Yeah, I mean, uh, so they have Cagliari, Bologna, Venezia, Genoa. Uh, but apart from that, they've got Fiorentina, Lazio and Sassuolo. Uh, no, I don't think that Juve are in the title race. I don't think so either. No. Having said that, I think that um, Allegri should be given his comeuppance for essentially turning things around in a transitional season where they, I think they'll comfortably get top four. Uh, or they should com- comfortably get top four. Um Without having really, uh, I, I think you can see the style of plays coming through there now, which is, <laughs> I mean, it's very, very boring for 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 many fans. They've only scored forty seven goals, but you can sort of see that they're getting back to where they were under him before. If that makes sense, yeah, yeah I agree. Regardless of how boring is for, boring it is for people, like it is. The fact that we're, that people are still debating or flirting with the fact that ooh they might still be in the title race with um the the, the coaching changes that they've gone under in the last four years and, and everything and losing to Ronaldo. Um the fact that they're eight points behind I think is still is still excellent. Yeah, especially with the with the start they had to the season. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. And and they'll come back stronger next season, uh probably with a bigger budget too. I think I think most Juventini would agree with me saying that I, I'd much rather get three points than like entertaining football. I mean, in the end, it's about winning and, and three points. So I think that uh, they they agree with, even though it's kind of boring, it's still three points. So uh, Inter get a big, big, big three points when the, when they really shouldn't have. They, it's, a, it's a grinding uh, win. It's a title credential win. And then we go back to the San Siro on Monday. Milan draw with Bologna. Take me through this, man. What happened? How, how, what did you feel? It's uh, more or less the same story as it's been the last few games for Milan. Uh, they they don't really get the the offensive play to click. I think um, they they struggle to create chances other than just crossing it in and hoping for uh, Giro or Ibrahimovic to be there and and, and uh, score. Literally, literally. I, I literally tweeted that saying 
why is the tactic just get it down the line, cross it in, and uh, cope, basically? I, I, yeah, so I, I think the first half of the season, Milan were kind of good with with utilizing uh, Brahim Diaz or Sandro Tonali to kind of use the central areas of the pitch to create chances as well uh, with flicks in behind the defense uh, or more more of a var- variation in their in their attacks and uh, now it feels like they're just as you said uh, move it to the wings and, and cross it into Ibrahimovic or Giroud in the box and hope for the best and that that uh, tactic won't win you titles because i felt like uh, this game against bologna that they and they anticipated that and uh, were very well prepared uh, even though Milan crossed the balls uh, into the into the penalty box a lot, Bologna were their first to fear it. Uh, they they done their homework on Milan, and uh, Milan got to pay the price for it. Yeah, I, I, I'm basically echoing your sentiments, but the um, the, I think there there needs to be something new from from AC Milan's uh, off- offensive side. It's not like the first time we're seeing this either. I know you did brilliantly to get a 1-0 win against Napoli, get a 1-0 win against Empoli, get a 1-0 win against Cagliari. Um, and then before that, there was the, the, the draws to Udinese and Selenitana. And against Udinese, I thought you looked um, better offensively and, and uh, lack of lack of chances and, and possibly, um, sorry, lack of converting chances and possibly uh, an unfair refereeing decision could have given you three points. But I feel like maybe you need to try something new now, um, maybe a change in formation. Or, or whether that's um, pushing pushing up um, Tonali a little bit further, or, or maybe trying Venezer in calm. But is that is that well? No, maybe that's a little bit drastic. I may, maybe moving Benazer up to like the number ten role is a bit drastic. Uh, but but that, that's because he's so because he's he's so calm and amazing in a in a number six role next to Tonali. Yeah, exactly. But I, I, I agree with with the point you're making that what Milan essentially has lost uh, in the number ten role with Hakan Chalanoglu leaving is Hakan were more he moved around uh, a lot more yeah. than Brahim. Uh, he he had the ability to. Get passes in in behind the defense, uh, opposition defense. Uh, Brahim has done that occasionally, but not at the same yeah. frequency as as Chalanuglu did. And then Chalanuglu could like move out on the wing and pinging crosses from there as well. So uh, even though say say on the left wing, uh, Hernandez moves up the wing, uh, the the opposition defense tries to isolate him, but then. Salanuglu moved out to the wing uh, to then cross the ball in and, and someone could be there and score it. Rahim Diaz doesn't do that in the same extent. He doesn't support... Yeah, Rahim Diaz doesn't support uh, in the same yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. And As in create, I think Milan has um, maybe create overloads. lost an uh, uh, important part of their game with Salanuglu, which they haven't mm. replaced. And that, that will be important for them this summer, I think. Uh, Maybe Renato Sanchez could be that. Maybe not. Uh, it, no, but he's more of a box-to-box. Maybe. Yeah, but it seems like it's him they want to be more of a offensive creator. 
and then maybe try and push Canali up a little bit more. Maybe. Or, or try uh, a different formation completely, because I know Pioli loves <laughs> he loves a 4-2-3-1. Uh, maybe then, if Renato Sanchez was to come in, Canali, Benessa, and Sanchez is a midfield, and Brahim, Leao, and Giroud slash Ibra, because yeah. uh, I, I think we should just be completely honest about Junior Messias. He hasn't. It's a, it was a lovely story, but I don't think he has lived up to expectation. He was, I think, one of the worst players on the pitch. Yeah, and I, to be honest, I'm not quite sold on Brahim either. I he he's been very good in in uh, in periods of of the season, he's but stagnated. I think he's stagnated. If you want to fight for Scudetto, you can't have a player who is good like in the beginning of the season and then. Mm. Occasionally yeah, good. Yeah. You you have to have a player who consistently produces points yeah. for the team, or at least uh, creates chances consistently. Um, I, th- I think, and sorry, I, I I don't think that he's done that. I, sorry to interrupt. I th- I think that also what Hakan um, would have would does give you even if he doesn't have, even if he's capable of a, of a game where he's not going to create much, is uh, incredible set piece delivery. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> I mean, you look. You take a look at the set piece goals that Inter have scored this year. Um, even if Hakan is not performing well, it's like okay, fine. He's going to give me at least three or four um, set pieces in a game if we get them that are going to be dangerous and um, lead to goal scoring opportunities. Could we also see in um, in in Pioli's hope to sort of crack uh, the offensive code, if you will, a turn to go back to Samuel Castellejo at right wing? It's a left wing or right wing. It's left wing. Left wing. To be honest, with uh, with the way Messias has played, I think. Like, why not? Uh, like, it's not working. Yeah, put him why, back in. To be honest, why not? Uh, I historically, I haven't been a biggest fan of Samuel Castillejo, but I mean, both Salamakers and, and Messias have been very poor when when they've been subbed on. So, why not try something new? Uh, maybe maybe. It, can be a good thing, maybe not, but then at least you tried. And if if the, if it doesn't work out, you have Salamakers to throw in from the bench. Um, so why not? Yeah, I mean, I th- you just didn't look creative at all, and you haven't looked creative against um, what was the last one nil Empoli and um, who was, the, who was the one before that? I've already mentioned it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because Empoli and Cagliari. Where you were just, where it was like grinding out one nils, which is fine. Which I mean, look, you might have done it again against Bologna. You had your, your fair share of chances here and there. Um, a couple of crosses that did reach the, the uh, forwards who were in the box. Ibra had a chance. Rebic had a chance. Giroud had a couple. Um, in some of the first half. Having said that, though, as well, you could have lost. It was a fantastic save from Manjana, uh from uh, Musa Barrow's amazing strike. It was amazing strike. Man. Agreed and. Amazing strike, and and you know, um, it's been like this for Milan for the past say, maybe four or five yeah, games. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and, defensive, and uh, it's it's only gonna work for so long. It's not yes. a sustainable uh, tactic. At some point, a team will figure it out how to stop it, and it felt like Bologna did this. It's especially when when you're facing Bologna in a low block who. Are in a back five, and then on the counter they can release Musubaro or an Altovic. Exactly. Um, so yeah. I, I think basically what we're saying here is your defense is stagnating, and it needs to get better because you got Torino coming up next week. 
another thing I, I think with Milan the past few games is that they rely too much on, on Rafael Leao. I mean, of course, he's been absolutely brilliant this season, but it feels like they now it's just like, yeah, give the ball to Leao and uh, hope for the best. Yes, I was going to say that. Yeah, give the ball to Leao and something will happen. I think we've said this before, but I mean, it's still like... Um... He, he was still getting around his man so easily and then flicking into the box. And then there'd be sort of nobody there on, on many occasions. And it's like, dude, yeah. To be honest, I think that Liao probably should be young player of the season or... Or even player of the season to me. Um, yeah, I mean, he's been absolutely unbelievable for, um, for Milan. But you, you, your defense, I mean, you don't look like you, you're going to concede. You, you, there's three clean sheets in a row. Um, but having having said that, you've got next week. You've got Bilotti, Lukic, and Brekalot of course. Not to mention Single and Botfolder. Yeah, and um, especially Brekalot is uh, in, in very good form. And um, so Milan needs to be be wary next week and and work a lot on their offensive variation this week. Yeah, yeah, it's holding up. We'll go to so there was there was a couple of big games this weekend. Then Inter beat Juve and Atalanta lost three one to uh, Napoli. What did we What did we think of this? I think it's a it's a yet another statement of how good Napoli is. I mean it's it's not it's not been the strongest Atalanta side this season, but it's still a tough game to go to GV Stadium and and play them. Mm, and, um, and and Napoli did a very good effort there and and. Came away with three points uh, yet again. Four wins from five. Uh, they sort of have like the most difficult beginning to, to the end of the season. And then at the end, it gets easier. So I think if they can negotiate the next two games, they might pick to win the title. Honestly, they are. Because they've just they've beaten Atalanta, which is a difficult place to go to. And they Atalanta troubled them really well. Um, Especially with the wing backs, it was uh, Zappa Costa and Hatterbor getting crosses in. Rola Darun were joining uh, sort of Muriel and Malinowski. Um, but, but the next two games were Fiorentina at home and Roma at home. And then after that, Empoli, Sassolo, Torino, Genoa, Spezia. If they can negotiate the next two games, I think that um, they might pick for the title because they just, they just kept, kept going and. There was a couple of games where Victor Osiman has just won them uh, the three points by what they had yeah. the the challenge. Um, coming on to that though, as well, he did just get injured in a training session, which is bad news for. for it them. really is because we talked about Rafael as as a candidate for Player of the Season, and, and Victor Osiman is probably the main candidate for him. Um, he's been also a huge asset for Napoli, uh, even though. They they haven't haven't played well at times. The, he's still there, and with his individual brilliance, they've uh, he's he secured them three points on his own sometimes. And it would be a huge loss if they can't have him now for ex- especially the the two coming games, as we said against Fiorentina and uh, and Roma, because Fiorentina is a tough side this season, and and Roma is is in really good form right now. So they need all the help they can get. Uh, it, that's exactly right. Have, having said that, though, when, when you have Osiman, who is, I think, one of the best forwards in the world, 
And then you also have the attacking depth of Mertens, Insigne, Zielinski, Portano, Elmas, Irving, Lozano, like all of them guys. If if Osimhen can't win you uh, three points like he has on many times, surely one of those wide players is going to produce something. For sure. Um, yeah, I think that you know what I mean? many people underestimate the likes of, especially Politano and uh, and. Uh, I, I think Mertes is kind of recognized now as a as a very important player for the team. But Politano is a great player. Uh, he's been very good for them this season, and Lozano is always a, a threat. Um, so even if, as you said, uh, Osimhen might not play, they have great depth to to still be able to have a good run for the for the Scudetto. Yeah, they play Fiorentina next week. Unfortunately, that clashes with Sassuolo Atalanta. Come on, man. I want to watch one of them. Why don't you move uh, Napoli Fiorentina to like Monday or something? Does, do people really want to tune in and watch Bologna mm, Sam on no. Monday? No, right? So put it Monday. Now i got to choose. Thank <laughs> you very much, Calcio. Thanks, Serie A. Uh, yeah, thanks, thanks very much. Did you see the Napoli second uh, goal? Which one was that now again? The oh, yeah, routine. yeah. Yeah, me I too. I thought it was great. So, like, you chipped it uh, above the wall, Politano volleys it in. I, I, I don't know about you, but set pieces for me are some of the most annoying things in the world because so many are wasted. Yeah. Why don't you try something new? And they did in this sense, and it worked. Um, two years ago, Man United uh, tried the same against Man City when we, um, we as in Man U, beat them 2-0. Fernandez chipped it over the wall, Martial volleyed it in. Yeah. I think it uh, was at a, at a coaching forum where, uh, I don't know if you're his biggest fan right now, but Ralf Rangnick spoke about the importance of set pieces. And I can't remember yeah. exactly how many percent, but I think it was like a, up to 30% of all goals scored are from set pieces. And, it's like it's the most frustrating thing for me. It's like what there's so many things you can try. There's there's many times where sort of the winger or the fullback will be in space. Why don't you lay it off short for him so he has so he can hit the ball when it comes with a little bit of pace and then whip it in rather than a dead ball that normally doesn't beat the first man. Or not normally. There's too many that just don't be the first man. There are teams who really go in for this. Uh, I'm I think it was Brentford uh, this season they got promoted to the Premier League. They had uh, they had Andreas Jorgsson, yes, uh, a Swedish yes. set-piece coach, and they scored uh, the most goals in, I think, England overall that season. Um, yeah, from set-pieces. Uh, so the, there are teams who really t- uh, and, uh, invest into it, but yeah, I think more teams they should. should. For, for all the teams out there, me and Maxi are the, are the innovators, man. Go ahead and get a set piece coach. Hi, Russ. Still... Hi, Russ. How about that? Yeah, hi, Russ. Huh. Well, BTL, we're getting away from you, man. I'm joking. Um, we, we love you, BTL. And, and producer one. Hi, producer one. He's in the background somewhere. So that's the... <laughs> yeah, hi. <laughs> so that's the, the title race sort of summed up. I think we should go to the relegation yep. watch next because that is also something that we should keep an eye on. Um, Spezia, Thiago Motta Spezia has to be said, beat Venezia, who haven't won in 
haven't haven't picked up a point in six. Yeah. I know you're laughing and joking about Genoa constantly picking up a point. Like as in, what was it like? How many draws is it again? I think they have like 14 draws, right? Something like that. Yeah, 14 draws, which, um, I mean, they, they get your point, right? It's it's 16 draws, actually. So 16 of the 22 points are draws. Um, Venezia don't have points in their last five games. And, and in now, the end, it's 16 points, and those could be crucial for your survival in the Serie They won last week when it was a back-to-the-wall job. They're on 22, Venezia on 22, Caldera on 25, Sampdoria on 29. Um, we write in thinking, I think Spezia are sort of fine now. I don't, I don't, I don't see them going down. I think so, yeah. Um, no, it's, uh, it's 10 points down to the relegation zone for them. Um, I can't, I can't see them lose that, uh, in, in the last, Seven games, especially not with uh, with uh, Venezia, Salernitana, and Genoa playing the way they're playing right now. So, I I think that they should be fine. Having said that, they do play Inter, Lazio, Atalanta, and Napoli. But I mean, if they can pick up points against Udinese, against Empoli as well, um, Venezia and Cagliari play the last game of the season. I wanted to go to the wire and for that to just be a slug match. Yeah, we, we spoke about it earlier. We spoke about it in previous episodes that Salernitana are essentially down. Uh, but it's it, it's about uh, the other two spots. Yeah, oh, of course. Uh, sorry, Salernitana fans. I know you're back every week. I think you're down. Yes. Um, whether it's uh, Genoa and Caleri or Caleri and Venezia. I would just love to see Genoa stay up just because of the hilarity of those draws. Yeah, but it's it's been a few seasons now where they barely escaped. So uh... come on, man, we got we got Destro, Matthias Destro to, to to stay in the league. Only one. Don't you love Destro? That that's uh, it's pretty much the only reason I want them to stay up. But it's a good reason. It, it, it really is. No, it's uh, another thing. Derby de la Lanterna. Ah. Uh, I, I won't. I, re, I will really miss that if they go down. Is is that the Sampdoria Genoa Derby, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. No, yeah. The Derby of the Lanterns. We want, we want to keep that. So who do we think is going down then? I'm going to go for... I am going to go brave and say Genoa is going to stay up and uh, Caleri and Venezia are going to go down. So finally, Joao Pedro is going to go down. I think that Genoa and Caleri will go down. Hmm. Who, who's got a tougher run? I don't know. I mean, you got to give it to them. Uh, Venezia are five points from from the safe zone and they have one game less played. Ah uh, uh, yes, no, no, I forgot about the game. Oh so, yeah, okay. I and I also think that Venezia has that ability to kind of take the unexpected wins, um, which I don't think yeah. Cagliari and Genoa they've have got, this year. Uh, they've got Salernitana, Bologna, and Cagliari to play. Yeah, Venezia. those will be um, crucial games. That's sort of the games they can pick up points in. 
and then Caledi have sort of Salernitana as well, Genoa, and Venezia as well. They've got the slightly easier run because then they've uh, they play Sassuolo, Verona, and Inter. So mm. it's a tough one. Let's uh, let's let's see what happens. I I I think that it will be. I'm going to change my mind. No, I think Genoa will go down. I think Genoa will go, and Venezia will probably go down in the end. So, to be honest, the be- it sounds weird to say, but perhaps the best thing for Genoa would be to go down. I mean, yeah, because they're in this toxic spiral now when they just every year barely survive and they just rotate managers on on a pretty much on a on a weekly. So maybe, maybe maybe that's what they like. Maybe that's what works. Yeah, but in the end, I think that what would be best for them is for Preziosi to sell, uh, get a new owner in, and and start from from the ground and build it up again uh, to be a sustainable club. I, I, I mean, even if they stay up this year, they will be down there next season as well because. It would be the exact same situation, with with managers uh, being rotated on 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 a monthly uh, and yeah, I I just think that it's a toxic situation at that club right now. I like the toxicness, man. Keep it, keep it. Just staying <laughs> up. <laughs> you know, the stadium's named after Luigi Ferrari's. He was a footballer, engineer, and a soldier. He died during World War One. Yeah, it's a it's a great stadium. It is. Right? It's a good place as well. Yeah. It's it's uh, Genoa. It's always cheap flights to go there from the UK. Maybe I should go. You want to come? I'm down. See you there. I I'm, I don't like the silence between the. I'm down. You... <laughs> <laughs> is that beaches? There's beaches in Genoa, right? It should be. It's uh, it's in the yeah, Liguria, uh, which is essentially the on the coast of of north northern Italy, uh, on the border border to oh. France. But to finish things off, why don't we do goat and asshole of the week? Yes, uh, I've I've actually just got um, yeah no 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 I've got, I got one I got one so so I think we agreed right so goat of the week da 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 trophy yes Udinese one yes right? I agree completely Gabriele trophy um five one. Udinese against Cagliari this this week. And listener, ask yourself the question, when was the last time you saw Udinese score five goals in a game? This man just... When was it? We know? This man just brought it. Do we we know? When was the last time this I don't know. I can't remember a time I've seen it. Probably when they had Sanchez and Di Natale, right? Yeah. Uh, Beto scored a hat-trick. Yeah. Udinese has a fantastic player in battle, but the sad thing there is he will be probably moved to Watford and and, oh. and basically just be wasted there. That, that weird like link. Yeah, I don't like it at all because the in the past few years the um, the Pozzo family who owns both both uh, Udinese yeah, and Watford. If you didn't know that, uh, I'm I'm saying this to you as a listener. And uh, they've more or less put their resources to the to the Watford uh, part of their ownership because they see more money there, uh, bigger TV deals in the in the UK, and 
yeah, and you make more true. money on players there. So they basically move the players who who doesn't really fit there to Udinese, and the players who do well at Udinese they move to to Watford and and hope for the best it's, there. I mean, it's like Gerard Delafour joined on loan, yeah, from, to Udinese from Watford, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, in 2013, they signed eight players from Udinese. So it's uh, it's it's sad because uh, it's odd. It's a very odd relationship. I mean, it's interesting. Um, so yeah, Giampaolo Pozzo is an Italian businessman. He owns Udinese, and his son Gino Pozzo owns uh, Watford. So yeah, it's it's kind of having like your little cousin or like your right hand man in the footballing world and saying. We need some help here. Can you give us some players here and there? Yeah, it's uh, it's a bit of an over exaggeration, but in the past past few years, Udinese has basically been Watford's feeder club. Yeah, hmm. interesting one, though. Interesting. Um, maybe an article coming on that then from from myself. Yeah, but yeah, as we said, Beto, uh, a terrific player. Yes, terrific. Uh, so that was goat of the week. We've given it to Gabriele Choppi, the, the Udinese. He's a caretaker manager. Yeah. He came in when uh, Gotti was fired, and Udinese were probably in trouble, actually. But they, they've done solid form since it's then. A f- they've only had four losses. It's a it. funny story because um, Choffri came to Udinese in the 2020, 20, 2021 season from Crawley Town in, in League One in England uh, as an assistant manager. And now, when when Gotti got, uh, got sacked, uh, Choffri took over as a caretaker. So he's basically gone from League One to Serie A. Not necessarily pleasing on the eye of the football, but it is, um, it's it's solid. Like, you you know, you're going to have a tough game against Udinese now. Yeah. Making teams either hard to beat or playing pleasing football, like, I think one of the two. What did we say? Since uh, December 7th, when, when Trophy was appointed, they've lost four games. But they were against mainly big opposition as well. Yeah. It was against like Inter and some others. Um, one was against uh, Verona uh, as well. But it's against like Verona is a good team, Napoli. though. Yeah, exactly. So like Napoli, um, Inter, and Juve and Atalanta. Yeah. So there we go. Trophy go to the week. I'm sure he'll be chuffed when he listens. <laughs> and you can finish this off with Arsenal of the week. Also of the week is Walter Sabatini, uh, sporting director of Salernitana. And Whoa. why is he that? Because he just took a chainsaw to Federico Fazio. Uh, oh, we got it. Wait, wait, wait. Let me get a chainsaw noise up, actually. Can we do that? What? Yeah, like, I'm, I'm going to get a chainsaw noise up real yes, quick. Yes, do it. So you keep talking, you keep talking, I'll get that up. Yeah, one. so essentially why Sabatini was was chosen as a asshole of the week is because after uh, after Salernitana's lost this weekend, uh, Salernitana, uh, Sabatini took to the... There we have it. <laughs> after Sabatini to Federico Fazio. Yeah, so after, after Salernitana had lost this weekend... Walter uh, Sabatini took to the press and said, I never imagined that Federico Fazio could commit such ridiculous mistakes, some of which he'd never done in all of his years in Roma. I just didn't expect Federico Fazio to make such mistakes. Uh, 
And yeah, this is a player that Sabatini knows very well because Sabatini was sporting director for Roma when when he when Federico Fazio played there, uh, and he just put a knife in his back right out in the media, uh, and for that he is selected as asshole of the week. There you have it. I don't think it's a very admirable thing to say about your centre back, really. <laughs> no, especially um, in the position they're at. I mean. No, Salernitana, if if I'm a player at Salernitana, I'ma just enjoy being a Serie A player for like the next nine weeks. Yeah, and I mean mathematically they, they're not done for 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 being relegated and of course they need to fight for every point they can. And saying this about your main centre back is just like putting the, the team at risk to be honest I mean this won't affect what is it like it's like it's like putting a, a, a what saw a chainsaw yeah man uh, in the in the back of your one of your main defenders and that I mean it won't affect him well the amazing sound effects from Darnish <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna leave you off with that. So yeah, Walter Sabatini, you are my friend, chainsaw asshole of the week. Maxi, it's been an absolute pleasure as usual. You too, man. Have a great week. I will see you again next week. Thank you for everybody who has listened, whether it's on Spotify, Apple, or Anchor.fm. Uh, check out all the latest articles on BreakingTheLines.com. I should have an article on the Serie A title race coming on there very very soon. Um, like it. Uh, subscribe and um, share this podcast as well and don't forget next week we have the very very important opening take of what maxi thinks of the weekend's new album thanks very much for joining us we'll see you next week